Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. On in our series, amen, here in Hebrews chapter number one. We're going to read there. We're also going to read in Hebrews chapter number two, and then in Hebrews chapter number four, amen. We're going to read four different segments of the book of Hebrews, amen. Hebrews chapter one and verse number one. Now we're going to move on. We're going to we talked about one aspect of the book of Hebrews and the key to it. If I can get some, whoever's doing sound could put some monitor up here. I don't hear anything. Um, um, we talked last week working into the keys of victory. And then we're going to go into a different defining aspect of having a key to absolute victory in your life. Amen. We're going to begin. We're going to read uh, several verses here. So hold on as we uh, read this together. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse number one, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jump down to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 1. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Let me just pause and say this. I, I want to commend First Church because when we preach the gospel and we preach the doctrine, I'm going to tell you, I go to a lot of churches. And when I preach the, these simple things, these basic things, and they'll just sit on you like you grew a second head and just kind of stare at you like this is all you got, the baptism in Jesus, and this is it. Preach on heaven, they'll kind of look at you sideways like, really, you don't got anything more? profound than this I want to say I am glad that our campuses love the doctrine and love the gospel and we respond to it and I want to tell you it is one of the hallmarks of a true apostolic church that when the basics are being preached that there is a tremendous response to that because we cannot let the things we've once heard let them slip amen You don't go from being apostolic to charismatic or apostolic to emergent or whatever by getting up and saying, we don't believe it anymore. You just stop preaching it. And so when we hear it taught, whether it's through me or preached through an evangelist or one of our other ministers, we need to get behind it and get aggressive with it. Because what that says is, I want to hear that. I want to hear that. Amen? And so uh, I, I, I thank God for your constant response to the those things which I know 
you've been baptized, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, you love holiness, all these things, but we t when we tap on that, you respond to it, amen? And let me just say this, whether it's me or them or, or God forbid I'm, you know, taken away and, and, you know, by a chariot of fire and I'm no longer here after tonight, I hope the next guy that steps in here, if, if, he, even, if he even sniffs one God or holiness and separation, you jump up and go crazy getting with him preaching it because that, that tells them hey we believe that we want to keep hearing it amen amen uh, lest we should let them slip verse 2 for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. Chapter 4, beginning at verse number 15. Chapter 4, beginning at verse number 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. You know, that... That, that scripture so often kind of gets overlooked. You will never be tempted in a way that Christ cannot understand. Because he lived in the same flesh we live in. He knows what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be tempted. He had every opportunity of sin. But, but the writer here, Paul, makes it very clear. Yet without sin. Therefore, therefore, let us come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have Compassion on the ignorant. And that, that was me. He had compassion on the ignorant. Talking about me. Amen. And on them that are out of the way. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought as for the people, so also for him to offer sins. Amen. And I'm going to continue on in this series on the book of Hebrews key to absolute victory and I would subtitle this one needless worry needless worry you want victory we got to get over needless worry amen look at somebody and in your best Caribbean accent say don't worry be happy <laughs> amen would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Thank you, Jesus, for your presence, for your anointing, your spirit, Lord, for the victory and the joy that we feel here. I pray tonight, God, that you would once again open our understanding, that you would once again, Lord, begin to give strength and begin to give hope, oh God. And I pray that we leave here more encouraged than when we came in and leave here strengthened by the power and the revelation of your word. In Jesus' name, and the church said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. 
Amen. The book of Hebrews begins by telling us that God sent word to the world concerning the great plan of salvation that was eternally planned for mankind. And he chose to relay that message uh, not by prophets or by even angels, but he robed himself in flesh and he came down and he told us what salvation was. Amen. Uh, I said this last week and I, I kind of want to reiterate it. Uh, God was not stuck for thousands of years in heaven trying to figure out how to save man. And when Eve ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, it didn't surprise God. Nothing catches God by surprise. As I said last week, God feels all in all. He's not just here and in another location in the world, but he is also here right now, and he is still present in the Garden of Eden as if it were right before us right now. And he is also in eternity future. He spans everything. And so God knowing everything because he's from everlasting to everlasting. God wasn't up there with, you know, um, drafting paper and blueprint pencils trying to map out a way how we can get humanity connected. God knew exactly what it would take. And this is why the Bible would declare that Jesus Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, meaning from the foundation of the world, God already knew what it was going to take to bring mankind back into relationship to him. This is why when, uh, when uh, Abraham takes Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice him, and there he says, well, where is the sacrifice says the the boy and and the father prophetically says for the lord shall provide himself shall provide himself amen a lamb he was prophetically speaking that there's coming a day that god himself is not going to send a propitiation not not to send some other not going to raise up that god was going to robe himself in flesh and he was going to come down and be the sacrifice for us. Amen. And Paul is writing to Hebrews again. Not going to get into all of that. But Paul is writing to the Hebrew church and letting them know that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of every messianic prophecy that has ever been given to mankind down through the ages. Amen. And the book of Hebrews builds up and begins to talk about how we receive that message, amen. Uh, we read about how we are supposed to, as the Bible says, give the more earnest heed to the things considering the glorious means by which he gave us the message. We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have already heard, amen. Uh, don't ever get to a place, and I, I know I just commended us on it just a moment ago, but I want to reemphasize this. Don't ever get to the place where Acts 2.38 just becomes boring. Or, or John 1.1 1, 1 becomes what really any of it. Any of it from, from Genesis 1.1 1, 1 to Revelation 21.22. Don't let any of it get boring. It, it always ought, ought to. It's the thing that saved us. It's the thing that brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Amen. It should never get 
old, old news to be able to hear, amen, the gospel and the plan of salvation or those things that brought us from a world of sin into fellowship with Jesus Christ, amen. And so we need to give the more earnest heed to those things. And I discovered that the entire key uh, to making it to heaven and not failing along the way or drifting away from the journey is to simply give close, very close heed to the words of God. Listen to what the Bible, if you're going to be saved, you've got to follow the instructions in the word of God. Amen. There's an old bluegrass gospel song that says, I'm using my Bible for a road map. My last stop is heaven some sweet day. You're never going to get to heaven finding a philosophy outside of God's word. You won't get to heaven following self or feeling. We're going to get to heaven because we followed the word of God and we obeyed it. Amen. It's not enough to read it. You got to obey it. Amen. Amen. You got to obey it. You got to believe it. And walk with it. Is, it. is it always easy? No, it's not always easy. Because the word of God is, is sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. Because sometimes the word of God is going to cut me. And I'm going to need to be cut. Amen. Sometimes the word of God is going to offend my flesh. And my flesh needs to be offended by the word of God. Matter of fact, you get to the place where the word of God never offends your nature or offends your flesh. You might pray that you've not become reprobate. Amen. Because that's what the Bible says that is, the, the, the searing of the conscience with a hot iron. Where you can't feel or sense it anymore. The word of God will cut. The word of God, it, it will not only defend you, it will not only protect you, but the word of God will cut away from us things that God does not want in us. And if we're going to be saved, if we're going to have victory, we've got to do it God's way. We've got to do it God's way. We've got to follow the Holy Scriptures. We've got to follow the Bible. I saw somebody put out an acronym one time that said, uh, Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. And that sums it up about right. You want, you want to be following those instructions before we leave this earth. Amen? Uh, put together the two stresses in this book and see that paying the earnest heed to the Word and having confidence in God go hand in hand. These are two things that Paul is stressing to the Hebrew church. One, you've got to listen to what has been preached concerning Jesus Christ and salvation. Because as I've mentioned in previous lessons, there were those Judaizers coming in among them and trying to turn them away from the salvation of Jesus Christ, trying to turn them away and say, well, you can still have your, uh, you can still have being, being a Christian, but, but you still need to be a Judaizer also. You, you need to follow Judaism also. I was uh, watching a documentary not too long ago um, in the mountains of Argentina and uh, about how these guys drive these trucks, and I'm using that term very loosely, uh, like 1950s model uh, international truck with don't even have an engine in it. Uh, Brother Henderson, it's actually it's a generator inside. They put a generator in there. And they're, they're going through the, the Andes at like 14,000 feet, uh, these roads that are sheer cliffs that drop off thousands of feet at a time. And uh, they're, they're, devout, they're devout Catholic. I mean, every turn they, uh, they make, they're, you know, they're doing the fly swatting thing. You know, they're doing all that. And, but when they, get to the, when they get to the summit 
Amen. We can have a little humor. <laughs> Amen. I, 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 I saw one person one time said, uh, uh, you know what you call this? And I said, no. They said a stuttering Catholic. Don't get offended. A Catholic told me that. Amen. And so, <laughs> and so I mean, every turn, man, you know, they're kissing the rosary and they're swatting the flag. They're doing. And so then, then, but this one morning before they were to take their final passage, they got up and at 3 a.m. they went to a shrine. They went to a shrine on the highest point of the mountain uh, that, that the ancient uh, Mayans and uh, uh, Indian civilizations there uh, would go worship. It was Mother Earth which um, I, I wonder if they're going to, you know, we're going to update Mother Earth to birthing person Earth. So we don't trigger all these super offensive people that can't handle terms of biology. They haven't learned that in Argentina yet. And so they get there, and I'm thinking to myself, here are these devout Catholics, and they're going at 3 a.m. with their whole families, and they dig a hole in the earth, and they have cooked. And, I mean, they've sacrificed to cook, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, I was quite amazed by it, uh, the, the elaborate meals that they made, I mean, Sister Raleigh, they were, I mean, this food looked good, and they were dumping it in this pit in the earth to feed the spirit of the earth, and, and they were just dumping the food, and I'm thinking, man, if I were there, I'd have had a big old ladle and just eating that stuff, it looked so good. And then when they filled it up with all their foods, this was offerings to the, to the spirit of the earth, uh, to, to uh, birthing person earth. And, they just, and then they start getting beer out, and they start pouring beer in the hole. And they start pouring vodka, and, all, and then they all start drinking it. And then they're chewing coca leaves, and they're feeling Mind you, at 6 a.m., they're going to be driving back down that mountain. And they're getting hammered, and they're pouring it, and they're... And they're and then at the very end of it, after they've done all this dance and they've gotten high and they've gotten drunk, well, they poured all the food in there. Then at the end of it, they start doing this and praying to Mary and the saints and all that stuff. So it was basically, let's just, we're, we're going to cover our backside and just, you know, everything we know from Dan to Beersheba we're going to do. So it was that. It was the Judaizers saying, you can have your, your Pentecostal experience. You can have the new birth experience but you still need to go back to this ancient thing that you grew up in. You need to try to have both. And so Paul is writing to him saying, no, 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 no. You have got to give the more earnest heed to the things which you have already heard. Don't go back to Judaism. Don't go back to the law of Moses. Don't go back uh, uh, to, uh, to feast days. Don't go back to um, uh, dietary laws of Moses. Don't go back to all that stuff. You need to stay focused on what Christ has called you to in this New Testament salvation. Amen. And so he, then he's now, and we're going to pick up on this, is now he's talking to them about having confidence in God. Confidence in God. What Hebrews is trying to tell us is that if we can pay special attention to the earnest heed, to the words that Jesus gave to us, listen, this, this may not be so profound, but you need to hear this. If we'll give the earnest heed to what Jesus told us in his word, we are going to make it to heaven. And we're going to make it through any trial that we go through here on earth. Amen. If we'll just listen and obey the word of God, then we're going to A, make it to heaven, and B, make it through any trial that comes before us. Amen. 
That, I don't know about you, that gets me excited. That means the fight's already been fixed. Praise God. Hebrews 2 also brings in the idea that salvation was first spoken by Jesus himself and then confirmed to us by the very ones who personally heard him teach. Not only that, but God bore them and, and let all the world know they preached the truth by, by granting unto them signs and wonders and miracles and gifts of the Spirit. God always would do that when he would speak. He would allow signs to follow to confirm the word that he had spoken to the world. When God, when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, signs and wonders occurred on Mount Sinai. He confirmed it with signs and wonders. Amen. Then we read statements like Hebrews chapter 3 and verses 6 through 7. Amen. Because we, we, are, we are talking about the words that he has already spoken to us. We need to hold on to them. But we also need to have confidence in what we're holding on to. Amen. If I'm falling down a cliff and, and there's only a little string of yarn, I'm not going to have a lot of confidence holding on to that string of yarn. Amen. But, but if I've got a big old logging chain, I'm going to have a whole lot more confidence because I realize that chain, I, I'm going to be safe. The chain's not going to give out. Only my strength will give out first. I'm going to tell you your strength will give out before God's ability to keep you will give out. God is able to keep you and to sustain you. Hebrews chapter 3, if you're taking notes, in uh, verses 6 and 7. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. In other words, Paul is writing it again. You need to be confident in what God has already told you and what you have already obeyed. Let me just say it like this. You need to live for God having assurance that when you were born again of the water and of the spirit, amen, when you were when you repented of your sins, according to Acts 2.38, you were baptized in the name of Jesus and received the gift of the the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave you the utterance, you don't need to quit. You need to quit going back and trying to find a way out of that. I know so many people that in living for God are trying to constantly prove to themselves that what they believe, they don't really need to believe anymore. They're looking for a loophole out. Amen. Now, I know this isn't a lot of our running shout material, but this is going to get you through serving God. And life, if you're going to have longevity, if you are going to meet Jesus face to face on the other side, you need to believe what you first heard and then hold on to it with confidence and say, I'm not looking for another way. I'm not looking for another gospel. I'm not looking for another salvation. I'm not looking for another revelation. I'm not looking for another truth. I've already received the word of life. I've already received the truth and I've got confidence 
amen, and hope firm unto the end is what Paul said. I'm going to hold on firm unto the end because I'm confident that what I heard in the beginning that saved my soul is going to take me out of here when it's my time to go be with the Lord. And not only that, but what I heard in the beginning that saved my soul, I've got confidence it's going to save my kids, it's going to save my family, it's going to save my neighbors, my co-workers, it's going to save the whole world. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly, boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many has ever had a, had a time of need in your life? How many has ever been in need of mercy before? How many has ever been in need of grace before? Let, let me tell you how you don't get it. Please, God, please. He, that don't work. That doesn't work. He said come before his throne boldly. Now, boldly doesn't mean stupid. Now, boldly doesn't mean you say, all right, God, sit down and listen to me. I'm fixing to tell you a thing. That, no, that's not how that works. That's not bold. That's, that's moronic. Boldness means I have confidence in God, and I have confidence that I'm saved. I have confidence I'm his child. I have confidence he's my father. I have confidence he loves me. I have confidence I love him. I have confidence in his mercy. I've got confidence in the price on, he paid on Calvary. I've got confidence in his lordship. I have confidence he's my high priest. And so I'm going to step into the throne room boldly before the throne of grace and say, God, here I am. I need more grace, and I, I know you know I need it. I know you know that I desire more of it, but God, here I am, not as a peasant, not as a beggar, not as a thief, not as an intruder, but as a child by inheritance who has the right to step into the throne of grace and say, Lord, I need mercy and I need grace. Because because I'm not a pauper and I'm not a reject and I'm not a third class citizen. I am a child of the most high God and I'll step into his throne room with boldness. Can you shout amen? Somebody say boldness. He said come boldly, boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace. Somebody shout grace. Somebody shout grace. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6 Verses 11 through 12 says, and we desire that every one of you uh, do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. The full assurance of hope unto the end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Yes, Hallelujah. Amen. You got to be full of assurance. That's confidence. Confidence. Assurance, everything's going to be all right because I'm a child of God. Somebody say, I'm a child of God. Child of God. Amen. Realize the point uh, this is making. There is a place of confidence. Somebody say confidence, confidence that we enter into that makes us as Christians to know that we are saved. Now, I know this is basic, but I'm, I'm going to explain this a little bit more. 
But there is a place of confidence that we enter into that makes us as Christians to know we are saved. There is a boldness that comes upon us that makes us people who go before God himself any time that we are in need. We have the boldness to access God when we are in a time of need. And I know I can access God in my time of need because I am saved. That means I'm in relationship with Jesus Christ and I don't got to feel bad about myself or question myself. I've got confidence, amen. I've got confidence in who he is and confidence in who I am and confidence in our relationship that when I ask God for something, amen, I can ask and he will respond, amen, because I believe I have confidence in him. Somebody shout confidence. Amen. The unbelief that characterized Israel when they came to Canaan under Moses' time, amen, is never experienced by those who know that they are in the will of God. People that know they are in the will of God do not find themselves like the children of Israel wandering in a desert for 40 years, constantly questioning, are we, were we supposed to turn here? Were we really supposed to do that? Well, if God is for us and if God is on, when you are in the will of God, honey, it doesn't matter what comes against you. It doesn't matter how confusing things get. When you are in the will of God, you have confidence. I'm exactly where God wants me to be. I'm doing exactly what God told me to do. And if I'm doing what he told me and I'm where he called me to be, then I don't have a thing in this world to worry about because if God is on my side, that's all that matters. Somebody shout, I got confidence. Amen, amen. Israel had this constant, this constant uh, uh, doubt and worry going on because they never believed they were truly in the will of God. They were constantly at war with, with is this really what God wants us to do? And the sad thing is, uh, and the sad thing about the Hebrews uh, in Moses' time uh, were the people who doubted they could enter Canaan. Amen, it, it was the same God that parted the Red Sea for them. Amen. There, but there was a group that was ready. But there was a group that didn't believe. There was a group that said we can conquer a small minority. But there was a majority saying no, we can't do it. Even though God had spoken it to be the will of God. They were not trying to do something that would move God uh, that would move God to stop them and, 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 and hold them back. God was just wanting them to do what he spoke for them to do. Amen. I mean, it's like they looked at God and said, you know, who do you think you are? It was like they looked at God and they were like, now, now who do you think you are to say we can go over there? They, they looked at their leadership and said, you, you must not understand that we're slaves. You, you think we can go over there and conquer those people? Do you not know where we've been for 400 years? Matter of fact, they cried out and said, it'd be better if we died in Egypt. I mean, I want you, it's easy for us. Okay, I'll give it, I grant you that. It's easy for us to look back and say, you know, what a bunch of uh, crybabies. But, but really, they didn't know what was going to happen. They had the word of God just like we have the word of God. Um, they had signs given just like we've had signs given. 
And they get to a point, every time something happened, they go, we'd be better off being slaves in Egypt again. Bunch of crying little babies. I mean, what a bunch of petty, doubtful, unconfident, insecure people. Insecurity comes through lack of confidence. Lack of confidence comes from a lack of belief. We can't do it. God was blessing them. He wanted them to go into this wonderful land. He wanted to turn it around. He wanted to bring them from slavery to make them the most blessed people on earth. But they couldn't get over themselves. Zero confidence in God. Zero confidence in the sign that God had given them. Amen. They, they, they were, they were uh, uh, if you compare their situations to ours today, there's a lot of similarities. God's calling you into great things, calling us into, into the next level of greatness. And here we are going, but wait a second, God, who do you think you are to take us there? We're not ready yet. But when the cloud moves, we're supposed to move. That's symbolic of the Spirit. When the cloud moves, we follow the cloud. No matter what the obstacle, amen. They stood at the Red Sea, didn't think they could go any further, thought the enemy was going to wipe them out. But God made a way where there seemed to be no way. We tend to be so negative in our thinking sometimes that we think about ourselves as individuals who want to go to heaven as though God would tell us, who do you think you are wanting to go to heaven? We, we sometimes feel like God looks at us with that kind of an attitude. We're, 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 we're living for God. We're doing what we know to do. We're trying to obey his word. Amen. We're living for God the best we can every day we live. And, and then we get in our mind that God is looking at us going, who do you think you are? You're, you're not good enough to come up here and be with me. You just keep struggling down there. I mean, we think that God's looking at us going, why do you have so much confidence that you could ever be up here with me? When what we don't realize is that God robed himself in flesh, died on a cross, rose on the third day, came back, amen, in the baptism of the Holy Ghost so that he could bring us to be with him in paradise forever. I don't know why, but we struggle with that so hard. All of Israel was ready to go into Canaan land, amen, uh, this great and almost fat, fantastic opportunity was theirs, but they looked at themselves in a far more inferior manner than what they really were. See, Paul's writing to them about this in Hebrews because every Jew is, is incredibly familiar with that story. He's writing to something that's very familiar to them. And the reason why Israel couldn't go in at first is because they had sight problems. But it wasn't their natural eye. It was their confidence. It was the eye of their confidence. When the spies came back, they said, we were as grasshoppers in their sight, and so were we in our own sight. In other words, they said, when we saw the people and we saw the promise, we saw ourselves as insects. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're ever going to attain the greatness God wants in your life, you got to get out of having a bug mentality. You got to get out of having an insect mentality, Amen. I, 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 now let, let me let me explain what I'm saying here. Somebody say confidence. confidence. Come on, say confidence. confidence. Say needless worry. needless worry. 
See, we got confidence that God can give us a 20% increase with where we are right now, maybe a 35% increase, amen, in what we, what, what we make right now. But, but what about the belief and the promise that God could make you, amen. Listen, I'm going to say this in context. I don't want people to go out and think I'm preaching like the, the snake oil salesman, Kenneth Copeland, amen. But what if God wanted to make you a millionaire to bless his kingdom? Oh, Pastor, I, I, I believe God can bless me and give an increase. And I, you know, we can give, you know, $10,000, our ultimate goal to ever give, amen, to Sunday of sacrifice. But what if God wanted to bless you in a way where you could give $100,000 to missions every year? Oh, Pastor, I don't know. You, you must not know the job I work. Nobody, nobody in the building I work makes a million dollars. Nobody in the company I know makes a million dollars. Well, let me ask you something. What if God wanted to open a door for you to have your own company or to lift you up to a place where you rub shoulders with people that could connect you to those operators? And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, I didn't know we were going to talk about money. Yeah, we're going to talk about money because we got insect mentality. We got bug mentality. We believe God can take us from living in a townhouse into a little bit of a bigger home. But we got a bigger problem thinking that God can really give us the things he's intended for us to have. That's the problem Israel had. They thought, they believed God could move them into their own desert and they can live in their own tent. But they didn't believe God would be able to give them their own city. And I'm telling you right now, the moment you stop seeing yourself as insignificant and you start having confidence in the God that saved you and said, God, if you can use anybody, you can use me. If you can bless anybody, you can bless me. If you can increase anybody, you can increase me. I mean, look at the things that God has already done in your life. Look at the things that God has already done in your life. Amen. I, I, I sometimes want to, if I could jump back in time, I'd want to grab them by their hair and just shake them a little bit in the book of Exodus. A bunch of slobbering crybabies. I don't think we can go in. We're just grasshoppers in our own side. <laughs> but you know, some of us have the same mentality. When the pastor, when I just started right then, that God could increase you. You could start your own business. Amen. That God could touch your mind. You can build a, your own company. And all, you just start saying, well, I don't know. I don't know. My education isn't enough. And, and I, I don't know. I struggle enough as it is right now. Amen. If I could go back in time, I'd grab a hold of Israel and I'd say, what are you suckers talking about? You mean the God that split the Red Sea so you can march across on dry land? All of a sudden, a city of Jericho and the land of Canaan is too hard for him. I mean, the God that, that, the God that literally had a towering cloud over you at day so you wouldn't waste away in the heat and he gave you a pillar of fire at night so you wouldn't freeze up at night and when you ran out of food he sent you angels food by manna amen the same God who brought water out of a rock and you're gonna tell that same God that, that, that you, you just can't get that city I mean look at what God's already done in your life you gotta determine you got to determine right now, does your confidence max out where you are right now? I'm, I'm talking about the key to absolute victory. You need, you need to come to grips with yourself. Are you as blessed as God can make you right now? Because we, we've learned to settle into the blessing. Amen. And we need to be grateful, and I don't want you to misunderstand me. We need to be thankful. A lot of people don't have jobs right now. Amen. A lot of people don't have jobs. A lot of people are hurting right now. 
Inflation is crippling some families right now. Amen. And I am determined now more than ever, this guy that we got now don't know what he's doing. What, wait, he does, and it's, and it's terrible. And we got to say, well, well, I don't know if I can go, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a bad economy. Uh, Lord, uh, you, you, how much confidence do you have in God? This is the problem Israel was having in the wilderness. How much problem, how, how much faith and confidence do they have in God? They didn't really have confidence God would take them through the Red Sea until they got over the Red Sea. And then they shouted about it. And then they got thirsty, and they didn't have confidence that God could give them something to drink until water started flowing out of a rock. I mean, it, it seems like too many times we're only willing to rejoice once God has proved us wrong. Is this too much for Tuesday night? It seems like we're, we're all too happy to shout once God proved what we really didn't think he could do anyway. Amen. That's, that's why you, you sometimes see somebody getting prayed for, uh, for healing. And, and you've always got one Debbie Doubter standing there just looking. That's why when somebody's seeking the Holy Ghost and I just see people standing there looking, I'll ask them to leave. If you're a born-again believer, you shouldn't be up standing going. When they're seeking the Holy Ghost, you, you need to be engaged in the spirit realm, building faith in that atmosphere. And, because, and, the, and then when they get, they get healed, they'll, oh, oh hallelujah. It was, you were surprised God was able to do that? I mean, God fills them with the Holy Ghost. We're like, oh, yeah, he still does that. Wow, Woo, hallelujah. Sunday at our, our, our Vacaville campus uh, in the altar service, uh, Sister Cynthia, if you don't know her, she's a sweetheart. She just had a total knee replacement, total knee replacement. And the Holy Ghost falls in the altar service. And she was one of the first ones up there. You were there Sunday. She'd come hobbling down with her cane, total knee replacement. And all of a sudden, she threw that cane down and started dancing. Now, I'm going to be honest, I got scared. I got a little scared. I, I, I would like to say I went down there and took her by the hand and I just shouted with her. I, for, about, for about 90 seconds, I was sitting there going, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord. But, but the longer I stared and I watched, and I was just worshiping God. Oh, Lord, you can do it. And the Holy Ghost was falling and, and, and miracles. And I'm just and the more intense her dance got, and I asked her after church, how do you feel? She goes, I feel better than I felt in a long time. Amen. What am I saying? Sometimes the blessing and the miracle of God can stun us. We need to be proactive in our confidence rather than reactive. Because proactive confidence is faith. Reactive confidence is logic. I said proactive confidence is faith. But reactive confidence is just a logic. Amen? Faith, faith says when I walk in here, I turn the, flip the light switch, the lights are going to come on. Amen. But if I've never been in this building before and I don't see any lights on anywhere, amen, then I flip the switch on and it comes on. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, certainly the lights come on. I flip the switch. That's reactive. We need to be proactive in our confidence. Are you confident God will save your family? Are, are you confident that God will save your family? 
Are, are we confident that, that there's a building for us in this city? Without stressing out the missions budget? How about this? Are we confident that there's a building out there somewhere that we're going to get into debt free? How confident are we? Amen. I, 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 I'm confident. Even, even in a downturn, I'm already looking to the next Sunday of sacrifice. I'm confident that we can go even further this next year in missions giving. Totally confident. We, we've, we've raised over half a million dollars for missions in two and a half, uh, half a million dollars in missions in over the last two and a half years. I'm confident in the next five years we'll be well over a million. Amen. And I'm confident of that for many reasons. One, there's new folks coming in. Revival, the harvest is happening. But two, I'm confident there are some of you, if you could only see your Canaan land, if you could only see your Canaan land, it would blow your mind. If you could only see the things that God wants to do in your life to bless you, to increase you, to take you to the next level, amen, and, and, and do that because A, he loves you, and B, he wants to bless the kingdom. Well, I guess it would be A and A1. Amen. The, the Israel had saw this. They saw this with, with, with their two eyes. So it was not a problem whether they believed God existed or not. That wasn't their problem. Is there really a God up there? They had seen all that. Their problem was, is the God that I believe in able to do that. It was a problem of whether they believed they were right with him, had confidence with him. The Bible says, if our hearts condemn us not, huh? then have we confidence toward God. We've got a lot of heart condemnation going on. That's why there's no confidence toward God. We have all this needless worry in our life. Am I really saved? And we go back and, and, I'm, and, and God's out to get me and all. You've got to understand that, that God wants to take you to the next level. You've got to have confidence that God is for you and he's not against you. I know that's a, such a simple statement, but it's so profound. It'll absolutely change your life if you woke up in the morning and you believed when you got in your car to head to work that God really wanted to make you the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower, that if you really believed and had confidence that God truly, whatever business you're in, whatever corporation you're in, whatever uh, 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 small business you start, if you truly had confidence that God is going to bless this because I am right with God and he loves me and I've got confidence that God will not let me fail if I put him first. Amen. I don't know why I keep getting on this tonight. Maybe somebody's confidence shaking a little bit tonight. Maybe somebody's about to step out on faith in the midst of inflation, about to hit stagflation and all of that, and you're about to start a small business or, or you're about to apply for that next promotion. Amen. I'm not, I'm not saying have confidence that God can give you an 8% raise, and thank God for that, but I'm saying, God, take our faith to the next level. I've already seen you do it. You've given 
given us jobs we didn't deserve. You've given us houses we never thought we'd live in. God, you've already blessed us backward. I'm going to step in confidence into this next stage of living for God. I'm going to live in complete confidence. I'm going to quit dealing with my needless worries. Everybody say needless worries. See, their problem is they didn't know if God would use them to do it. This is amazing. Listen, we believe God can turn you from minimum wage. We believe God can take somebody from minimum wage to a millionaire. We just don't believe God can do it to us. Because we think of all our problems. I don't know why, you you read my notes after this. There's nothing about money in there. I don't know why I'm on this. Except to say, I think God's getting ready to take somebody to the next level. Amen. 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 God will never, God will, listen to me, God will never bless my doubt. Because if he blesses me in doubt, then he affirms my needless worry. Did you catch that? I think that was 140 characters or less. If God blesses me in my doubt, then he would affirm my needless worries. In other words, he would would affirm my stress. My Bible tells me not to worry for anything. How many be honest enough in here to say, amen, and nobody's going to see you but me and Jesus, okay? How many be honest enough to, I'm just kidding. How many be honest to say, I deal with worry. I deal with worry. I deal with worry. I, 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 deal, with, I deal with worry sometimes. I mean, my Lord, when, when I was uh, paying six eighty nine a gallon, there's some worry in that, folks. I was regretting. I, I was sitting there thinking, why did I get rid of that Kia? <laughs> I did. I thought, man, you know, we used to, <laughs> there's be a song they'd sing on Hee Haw. He picked a fine time to leave me Lucille. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, he picked a wrong time to get a Dodge Ram. <laughs> 689 a gallon. You see them, man, they're so excited. Man, they're on, they're out there. Gas is down 40 cents, and they're acting like they cured cancer. It's amazing. Well, you hacked it up in the first place. It was your fault. Hey, how about you take it back down to where it was two years ago? Then we'll get excited about something. Amen. (laughs) They create a problem, make it just slightly better, and then they act like they have just walked on water and cured world hunger. It's just amazing. Amen. Don't worry. It's going to get worse. (laughs) They, they, They love to hear themselves talk. Amen. But I worry. We got, we're human. We worry. I mean, the interest rates are going up and everything, everything's going up, it seems like, but wages. Right? And, you, and you, you worry about that stuff. But here's what God wants us to do. Have total confidence in him. I've got confidence in his word saying that he's never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. 
I'm going to have confidence in him. We as Christians today, we have these same issues. We want to go to heaven. Hebrews tells us it's the same situation. He is liking us, amen, as New Testament believers to Israel of old. It's not whether we believe God or not, because I do believe we believe in God. I don't believe there's any atheists sitting in this room right now, not on a Tuesday night. This is the special forces. Amen. These are people that wanted to be here tonight. You braved traffic to get here. You fought through hunger to get here. You, you could have went home tonight and went to bed early and woke up tomorrow feeling a little bit better, but you came here. You're not here because you don't believe in God. You're here because you believe in God. But we really do struggle sometimes with, I wonder if I'm ready to go to heaven. And, and, and I can't, you know, we get this little uh, spidey sense in us thinking, oh, I can't put my finger on it, but, but, but something in me makes me feel like I'm just not right with God. I'm not just quite up to par with God. And, I, and I'm afraid that, that if I die today, that I, I, I would be lost. And here you are, you're living right, you're doing everything you know to do, and you still struggle with that fear in your life. Listen to me. I'm not talking about somebody that's living hypocritical. I'm talking about somebody that's living right. And you may be thinking pastor what does this got to do with the price of tea in China? What's this got to do with anything that you're saying? Because if you can't have God, confidence in God in the most basic thing in your life you won't be able to have confidence in God for the big things in your life. If you can't be confident that you're on your way to heaven you're going to have a hard time having confidence that God's about to take you to another dimension of blessing in your life. Amen. People haven't changed when it comes to living for God. Israel believed in God. They believed in Jehovah. They believed in who he was. They just didn't believe that God would do it for them because of all the things that they had done. Amen. I've come to tell somebody tonight, you have got to get your confidence back in God. You've got to quit living for God like you're standing on a trap door that God's ready to pull the lever and plunge you into hell. Are you born again? I know this is simple tonight. Have you repented of your sins? Have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Are you doing your best to walk before him uprightly? Are you praying? Are you reading your Bible? Are you doing what's right? If you are, then newsflash, you're gonna be saved and you're all right with God and God's all right with you and you need to have confidence. Come on, you need to have confidence in God. And I think the reason the struggle is so real for us is because we really wrestle with the idea, is God really on my side? Are you with me? Is God really on my side? We've got confidence. We believe in God. We'll shout and run. We believe in God, but but. We wrestle with, is God really on my side? And this is how our flesh and how the enemy works together. When you hear me say that, is God on my side? It won't take very long for your mind starts wandering back to the times that you have failed God. Come on. Could, could have been yesterday. Could have been this afternoon. Could have been six years ago. But I promise you, your mind is going to drag you to that one point where you failed God. And it doesn't have to be anything big. It, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, that you, you know, you bombed a McDonald's or something. It, it could be the littlest thing. You, you, you did this. Maybe nobody knew about it, but you did it. 
And your mind will take you there. Your flesh will take you there. The enemy will influence your mind to go in that direction. Why? Why does your flesh do that? Why does your flesh constantly bring you to the point of where you know that you failed God? I'll tell you why. Because your flesh knows if you ever have confidence in God that God is about to turn up in your life and show out in a way that you could not even imagine. That's why James wrote, and said little children if our hearts condemn us not then have we confidence in God the reason why we struggle with our confidence in God is because we struggle with our past mistakes let me be clear if you are sinning right now and you know it's sin amen you're a double dog sinner and you're going to go to hell if you don't repent and stop sinning amen we get that clear this is not a justification for sin this is not a license for willful sin but the Bible says if we do sin we have an advocate with the Father and that if we will repent if we will confess to the Lord he will forgive our sin I'm not talking about somebody that is continually habitually sinning on purpose I'm talking about somebody that is trying to live for God you want to live for God you want to make it to heaven but every once in a while you stumble hey guess what that's what grace is for that's what mercy is for. Quit beating yourself up because you didn't make the mark yesterday. Get on your knees and repent. Get up and go back to the throne of grace with boldness. Hallelujah. Anytime you are in need, there is a God there that wants to help you in the time of your need, whether it's sickness or sin, whether it's a struggle of finances or faith. Anytime you're in need, God is there anxious for you to reach up to him. But we don't do that. We just put another pebble on the scale to weigh us down to why we can't be what God wants us to be. Amen. We got to stop receiving lies from the devil. Some of us put more confidence in the lies hell tells us than we do what the word of God has already told us. Because we'll believe that we're disqualified. We'll believe that we're disqualified. Amen. We'll believe that we messed up and all of a sudden we're disqualifying God. No, you got to have faith in God. No, hey, I, yeah, I sinned. Guess what? If I live another, another year, I'll probably sin again. If I live another month, I'm probably going to sin again. But guess what I've got? I've got an advocate. I can go to the throne of grace with boldness and I can ask for mercy and I can ask for grace and God will cover that sin in my life. And God doesn't cover my sin and patch me up but still leave a mark against me. When God covers my sin, honey, he casts it away. He does not remember it anymore. You may remember it. I may remember it. But God won't remember it. You've got to get rid of this needless worry and you've got to have confidence. Confidence in God, confidence that God's going to use you, confidence that God's going to bless you, God is going to answer your prayers. Somebody shout amen. 
Amen. I'm, I'm trying to wrap this thing up. Hebrews said that we need to listen closely to the word because it will make anybody come to a place of full assurance, confidence, and boldness. Amen. I, I, I've got to say this again. You've got to have confidence in God. And you've got to have confidence. This is going to sound funny. You've got to have confidence in God's confidence in you. If you believed in God as much as God believes in you, it would change your life. When we make mistakes, hey, 1 John 1.19 says, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I make a mistake, I sin, I repent, and I'm moving on. I'm not building a shrine to my mistake. I'm cleaning off and I'm moving on. How about this? I will weep over the things God remembers. How about that? I will grieve over the things God's going to hold against me. But my Bible says if I confess and if I repent, he will forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. There's not one bit of unrighteousness that he is not willing to cleanse us from if we are willing to ask us, ask him for forgiveness. I feel this in the Holy Ghost right now. You have got to quit holding on to the shame and the guilt of your past and your failures and mistakes and feel like you have been disqualified from the blessing and the miracle of God in your life because there is no limit on God's grace. There's no limit on God's mercy. And guess what? There's no limit on God's blessing. You got to get rid of needless worry. Everybody say needless worry. Needless worry. Amen. You've got to come to the point where you say, all right, God has intended good for my life. Amen. God's intended good for my life. God, God, God doesn't want bad for me. I, I don't know why we, we, we get we're like this sometimes. I, we may not come out right and say, oh, God wants me to have cancer. We may not say that. But when it comes, we're like, oh, I, I deserve it. Maybe not in those words, but we'll start thinking of those. No, God wants what's best for us. Matter of fact, Jesus said it like this, and, 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 and I'm going to end it somewhere around here, but Jesus said it like this. He said, which of you carnal fathers or earthly fathers having a child that was hungry, if you, they were to ask for bread, would you give them a stone? Remember that? Then he went on and said, if they wanted a fish, would you give them a snake? Then Jesus said, well, how be it that if these earthly fathers know how to give good gifts how much more does our heavenly father want to give to us oh hallelujah 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 and we're just sitting here thinking that God just wants to give us crumbs when God's got the whole loaf for us we're just, we're just, well, it, it, whatever rolls my way and I'll just be happy. And God say, no, it's not just what rolls your way. I have a purpose for your life. But we let our stress and our endless worries pull us down and hold us down. We've got to give the more earnest heed to the words which we have heard. We got to get boldness. And confidence, or as he said in Hebrews 3, we need full assurance. 
We need full assurance in our life that God is for us. That God, if you want a key to absolute victory, you need to understand this revelation tonight that God is for you. God is on your side. God wants you, God doesn't just want you to make it to heaven hobbling on crutches. God don't want you to make it to heaven with garments all tattered, amen, and all bruised and bloody. That's not how God wants you to make it to heaven. God wants you to make it to heaven in a sprint. God wants you to make it to heaven in, with a smile. God wants you to make it to heaven saying, I knew I was going to make it. God doesn't want you to get to heaven and go, I can't believe I'm here. God wants you to get to heaven and say, I knew I was going to be here the whole time. I knew I was going to make it the whole time. Hallelujah. He set up from my beginning to my end that I was going to make it. He put his angels and gave them charge over me. He filled me with his spirit. He covered me with his mercy. Hallelujah. I'm here because God intended me to be here. Musicians come, amen. We need to give the more earnest heed. We, we, we need to grab a hold of those words, boldness, confidence, full assurance. And then notice how we'll get this. Notice how we'll get this confidence when we hear the things which we've heard, when we, when we follow the word of God, when we go after the things that the word of God teaches. It did not say you'll get confidence by how we feel. Right? It didn't say that. If you feel confident, you shall have confidence. It's not what it says. It didn't say that. It, it did not say pay close attention to what people think of you. You're not going to get confidence that way. It didn't say count how many supernatural experiences you've had, and then you'll have confidence. That's not what it said. No. He said pay close attention to the word of God. Pay close attention to the word of God. Pay close attention to the word of God. He has confidence in you. Have confidence in him. Well, Pastor, how do I, how do I know that God's got confidence in me? It's real simple. Are you saved? God don't back losers. Are you saved? Because if you're saved, he's got confidence in you. But, Pastor, I'm struggling. Welcome to life. Struggle does not determine God's favor or lack thereof. Trial does not determine favor or the lack thereof. Look at Job. Job was the most blessed man in the history of the earth. It's the oldest book in your Bible. We ought to check it out sometime. Written two millennials before Christ. Check out Job. Most blessed man. He was the richest man on earth at that time. And to say that he had a bad day would be an understatement. Lost everything he owned. Everything. You talk about bankrupt. Bankrupt would have been a walk in the park. He lost it all. All of his children died like that. His wife's begging him to curse God and die. His friends won't even come close to him. They just sit afar off and go, ooh. Oh, you messed up, Job. That's all they said. It said Job's friends came to comfort him. They sat afar off and looked at him and went, oh, oh, God must hate you. That's all they did. Oh, you've messed up, Job. Job, you've got some kind of sin in your life, man. Look at, look at, 
Look at all that's happening to you. Look at Job, you might ought to listen to your wife. I love you. You're a friend. But it ain't going to get any better. You have really made God mad. Let me, let, let me tell you what a man who has confidence does. A man who has confidence, he shaved his head. And he said, naked I came into this world and naked shall I return. But blessed be the name of the in other words, my dilemma does not determine my destiny. I've got confidence in God. And God must have confidence in me. Because he had confidence enough to give me all the wealth of the world. And he had enough confidence to take it away. And no, I'd still serve him. Job never blamed the devil for any of it. Go back and read it. Job not one time said, look what the devil did to me. Look what Satan has done to me. It's not what Job did. Job didn't find a cave to crawl into and feel sorry for himself. He didn't suck his thumb and throw a pity party. Job went on a mission. He said, I'm going to find God. And when I find him, I'm going to plead my case before him. What case was Job going to plead? I'll tell you what he was going to plead. Lord, I've served you. I offered sacrifice for sin even when I thought my children may have in their heart sinned against you. I love you. I don't know why all... He, the Bible said he went everywhere looking for God. He went to where God was working. He went on the left hand, went on the right hand. He went everywhere. Then when Job got done, broken physical state, financially emaciated, bankrupt, fresh graves of his children, he came to this conclusion. The Lord knoweth the way that I take. The Lord knoweth the way that I... I may not know where God's going. I may not know what God's doing, but God knows what I'm doing. Then he said, but when he's finished with me, not the devil, and when God's finished with me, I'm going to come forth as pure gold. You see, confidence is not the absence of a struggle. It's the presence of faith knowing that no matter what I go through, I'm not going to carry the baggage of stress. I'm confident God loves me. I'm confident I love God. Matter of fact, looking back on it, Joe probably said there wasn't a better person on earth for this to happen to. Because at the end of it, he was twice blessed, twice the wealth. He had twice as many kids. Twice as much land and cattle and money and homes and everything. Went through a season of it. But he never lost his confidence in God. His friends didn't have confidence in God. Everybody thought he had lost out with God. But the Bible said he maintained his integrity and never charged the Lord foolishly. I'm going to tell you something right now. You want a key to absolute victory in your life? Have as much confidence in God as God has in you. Don't lose your confidence in God. And no matter what comes your way, you know that all things are working together for the good. To those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. You stand with me tonight if you would. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here right now. It's this intense war that just rages on the inside. 
My heart wants to condemn me. My flesh wants to disqualify me. But God is forgiven me. And his spirit in me has justified me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. We've got to get a point to a point in our walk with God where we are not constantly begging God to save us, but no, we are saved. We're walking uprightly before Him. And we are going to step into a dimension of faith that we've never walked in before and simply say, I'm not carrying the baggage of my worry. I'm not carrying the oppression of my stress. I'm going to step in my tomorrow knowing that God is on my side. And God has confidence in me. Pastor, I don't know how I'm going to reach that next level of where God's calling me. I don't got to know. You don't got to know. All you got to know is this. If God has qualified you and he has called you, he has confidence in you, and he's going to take you exactly where he wants to take you. I want you to just lift your hands to heaven right now. I want you to thank him for his spirit in your life. Come on. Oh, I feel the touch of the Holy Ghost here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, I feel the Spirit of the Lord just moving in and touching and strengthening somebody right now. He taught Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Lord Jesus, right now I pray that you would strengthen your children right now. God, I pray right now there would be a confidence that rises among us, that rises in our heart, that rises in our spirit, oh God. A confidence that we can walk in boldness, that we can walk in qualified authority that you've given us in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. How many wants to walk into that next dimension of faith? How many wants to walk into that next dimension of victory in your life? Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus name.